don't cry You can rely on me, honey You can combine anything you want What's up, everyone? Welcome to episode number two of the Armchair Philosopher. I'm your host, Sean DeRager. Thank you so much for uh, for joining me this week. Thank you so much for sitting through the first episode and getting to know me a little bit. Uh, it's a little bit rough uh, for me to, to sit down and just talk for an hour and then really get used to that. I'm just jumping back into podcasting. Uh, it's probably about a year, year and a half since I've done it and just getting my feet wet here again. So I appreciate you guys for coming back. And I'm really excited for the conversation I'm going to have today with a with a friend of mine. Uh, we, we've been we've been friends for for quite a long time, but we've kind of moved away. Uh, sorry, I thought I heard something. Um, yeah, I moved, I, you know, we both moved away from Northern Iowa, and I haven't talked to him for quite a while. So it was good to reconnect. And he, when I knew him, he was a, a charismatic Christian going to a charismatic church. And now he's an atheist, so we're going to have a chat about that. Should be really good to, to talk to him. Quite a few, few things have been on my mind this week. I know that um, the, whole, the, whole, uh, the whole gay agenda has been on my, on my mind this week. And uh, if you go to theaxpx.com, I have a couple articles there. Uh, one of them is called uh, Love the Sinner, Hate the Sin, A Look at Bigotry from the Pulpit. And that's my response to hearing all these all these crazy preachers, you know, mainly Baptist preachers, that were coming out against uh, against gay marriage when uh, the Amendment One was going on in North Carolina. And of course, as 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 we know, that the amendments, well, basically, uh, gay marriage did get banned from North North Carolina. But the thing is interesting is not only gay marriage got banned. Okay, the the whole amendment wasn't about just gay marriage. It's also about uh, civil unions and and right and and rights and um, that's, that someone will have to for like hospital visits and things like that. So so basically, marriage is defined as between a man and a woman, and those are really those unions are the only things that are really, for the most part, I think, respected as far as uh, as far as benefits from the state and things like that. So it's very interesting to see that pass, and it was interesting to see how the church got involved. During that, there were people that were, uh, you know, Christians that were standing up for gay marriage. I know Jay Baker went there and was was there for a while, uh, trying to help all that, all the, trying to help all they can, and get the get the word out and get support out. So that was really really cool to see that he was there. Um, the, another thing that came out of this whole amendment, one thing was that uh, a lot of Baptist preachers started getting more. Not necessarily momentum, but be, uh, the public eye was looking at them, and there's there's a few pastors. One 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 pastor was saying that if your if your if your kid starts acting, if your boy starts acting a bit wimpy or effeminate, effeminate, you should uh you know hit him and tell him basically to man up. Um, and then there was another pastor that was calling for putting all uh, lesbians and gays into con- into separate concentration camps and letting them all die out. And it's like things like this just drive me crazy. I can't even believe that there are people out there that would say such such you know hateful things towards a group of people. And so that was on my mind. So I wrote an article about that called Love the Sinner, Hate the Sin, uh, a look at bigotry from the pulpit. And then so on, on my personal Facebook, I, I post quite a few things in response to... You know, supporting the supporting human rights and supporting 
the gay rights movement. I think it's really important, and I think that our society does need to make a change for the better and start treating them as as equals, as as people. You know, uh, they want to get married to the people that they love. We should we should respect that and allow that, and uh, they should be able to ad- adopt kids. There's tons of kids that are growing up without any parents in orphanages. Um, there's kids being given up. And there's a story I just read the other day where a, a woman just left her, her three kids in, in a homeless area and she just left, you know? And so there's a lot of kids being abandoned by their parents, which is really sad and really unfortunate, but there's, are, there are people out there that do want to adopt and give them a loving home. And we should, we should respect that and we should allow that. And then finally, I, you know, I have a lot to say on, on, on this subject, but, uh, you know, and I, and I think that, um, that that they should be just you know allowed full full rights you know and this is a whole debate and a whole argument and I uh, I posted in the, and I posted on my Facebook uh, my personal Facebook I just posted something that's it it was just it was an article based on you know, as an article about giving or about uh, uh, homosexuality being uh, influenced by genetics and uh, environmental factors. So it was, it was an interesting article, and a lot of people think that it's, you know, 100% a choice, and I was trying, I just, and I, all I wrote was facts, and I posted this posted this article, and it just, it, it's like some Christians can't handle whenever I post anything supporting the gay movement because they think that I'm supporting sin. They think, you know, I, I've gotten in quite a, quite a, a handful of, of Facebook debates, which are, Facebook debates are stupid, and, I hate them, <laughs> and I hate whenever I get involved with them. But uh, one of them, of course, started up with this, and uh, I posted about it, my my thoughts about it um, on on the website, theaxpx.com. You can read it all there. I'm not going to get into full on into it here. Um, it, it's called "Against the Grain: A Heterosexual Stand for the Homosexual." But um, you know, I I think a lot. Uh, it's like Christians don't don't seem to be acting, you know, Christ-like, you know. And oh, there's a lot of bigotry and hate being being preached and being spread around, and, and people say that, you know, oh no, I, I love them, I just hate the sin, but you still treat them like shit. So, really, what what are you doing? You know, um, it doesn't affect you, and it doesn't affect your faith. If you if you if you think that that's that that's wrong, that it's a sin, that's fine. You're allowed to. It's a free country, but when you're fighting for the government to enforce laws based on your individual belief system, that's not right because the government isn't there, there's, there's a separation of church and state there. The government isn't, uh, isn't allowed to pass a law that's only benefits one belief system. So that's where I stand. And I, I write a lot more about it in the article and you can go ahead and read it there at the AXPX.com. So check out the website and, um, and, and comment. I would love to hear people's opinions. Um, the reason why, I, one of the reasons I started this was I wanted kind of a safe place for people to post their opinions. Even even if you disagree, it's great. Um, and we can have a conversation and, and a debate about it if you want. And I, I just want people to be respectful. And, and I'm trying to, the whole thing is I'm trying to move all of this. Uh, my whole reason for starting, uh, one of my reasons for starting this podcast and stuff was to move to conver- the conversation off of my personal Facebook page because I start taking things more personally and and that's not healthy either. So, so, uh, so I started the podcast and a lot of people want to talk to you. And then, uh, I I started the Facebook page for the podcast is facebook.com slash the AXPX. So I'm posting all articles there now. I'm done posting to my personal Facebook, all this stuff, because 
you know, the people, I, I always know who's going to comment on it. I know who's going to have a problem with it. And so I want to move all that off of my personal Facebook. And if you disagree with me on things, come over to facebook.com slash the AXPX. We can have a discussion there. It's fine. It's fine. Um, I'll take it a little less personally because <laughs> it's not directly at my name, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe I need to go see a shrink about this. But um, so that's what's going on. Join me, uh, join me on online there. Um, I would love to have a conversation about all this stuff. Um, you know, I, I, but my main things have always been, my main goal has always been to promote human rights and to love people no matter what. And to give most people the benefit of a doubt, you know, um, saying that one lifestyle is a sin is just, it just doesn't sit right with me. And when I see people being, being bullied and when I hear, when I read articles about young kids hanging themselves and, you know, uh, about, you know, about gay people being beat to death and murdered and, you know, it just, it really hurts. It really hurts my heart. I really, and and if and if you're a Christian, especially if you're following Christ's teaching of grace and love, you should have a heart for these people too, and not want to see you know, not want to. It's like it's not about finding someone and thinking they're in sin and trying to change them right away. If you're a Christian, you th- you think that if if you believe, if you ask Jesus in in your heart, and if you believe, it's it's a process for God to work the sin out of your life, and if and if. You know, and if that's the fact, God will handle it, and it's not your responsibility. It's not your responsibility to to change someone's lifestyle. And, um, but you know, my personal feeling is I don't think that being gay is a sin. So, <laughs> so I guess that throws that out of the window. And that's that's a conversation I want to have on a future podcast. I have a couple people in mind I want to talk to, and that's going to be a lot of uh, a very interesting one because I think there's there's so much we can dig into and talk about. So. Those are some of my ideas, and um, I'm trying to think if there's anything else. And I'm really excited to to talk to a, to a friend of mine. I'm going to be talking to my friend my friend Josiah Hesse after the break about his his life, his experience. He did start off uh, in a Christian home, a charismatic Christian, going to a, a a church in Northern Iowa, and I went to college. He eventually went to college. We part, you know, we haven't seen each other in years. Um, and uh, he eventually um, found his way, uh, giving you know, giving up his faith, and he's an atheist now. So we're gonna have a chat about that, and uh, I'm excited to, t- to talk to him. But in the meantime, I'm gonna play some music here. I'm trying to see what I want to play, though. I, I'm, I'm on a David Bazan kick, and um, I, I think that uh, his story is very interesting too. So one of these days, I'll. Who knows? Maybe I'll get him on the get him on the show. <laughs> Wishful thinking, right? I mean, my my aspirations are to get to get people um, to get people on like that. So uh, here we go. We're gonna play. I'm gonna play the song. One of my favorite songs by David Bazam. This is when he was with his group, uh, Pedro the Lion. The song is called Rapture. And I'll be talking to Josiah Hesse after the break here. Maybe. Start that again. I'm going to have to edit this. Gosh. Trying not to edit. (laughs) Here we go. This is uh, is Page of the Lion. Song's called Rapture off of the album Control. (laughs) 
That was one of my favorite songs by Page of the Lion. That's Rapture off the album Control, the 2002 release. Check it out because it's one of my favorites. Um, so uh, with me on the Skype line or whatever, and behind me, my kids are getting really crazy with the Wii. <laughs> um, uh, old friend of mine, Josiah Hesse. Um, we're going to be chatting with him today. Hello. What's up, man? Oh, just taking it easy. It's a late night, but you know, it's a nice Saturday afternoon here in Denver. Yes, it's a it's a nice little afternoon. My kids should probably be outside playing, but I'll I'll be a good dad after this and uh, let them play outside instead of letting them w- stare at a TV all day. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're talking today because um, when I knew Josiah back, I mean, gosh, it was. I don't know how many years ago. Maybe fifteen years ago. Maybe. Uh, um, you know, I think ago? I met you maybe around ninety-seven. Okay. We hadn't seen each other probably since I don't know two thousand one. Yeah. Yeah. So it's been a little bit, and uh, I mean, last time we knew each other, uh, last time we hung out. I mean, I don't know exactly what you were going through then, but we, you know, you're pretty much you were involved with a charismatic Christian church, and that's how we knew each other. We knew each other through the church. Um, we we had mutual friends uh, that were in a band. That was um, kind of the church's pride and joy. <laughs> what, Fillmore? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, Probably still are. And, uh, and then I was in, you know, me and, me and friends were, were trying to get a Christian band going. So, uh, you know, you, I would see you at the, these little, what was it, Bash on the... Bash, <laughs> Bash on, on the, the Grass, grass was the, uh, the college uh, event. Uh, yeah, yeah. Me and some friends actually started one called Bash on the Farm okay. that's, uh, I hear, grown into quite a festival <laughs> in North Iowa. So, so it was in, in back in the North Iowa days. So we knew each other from then, and I, I I would run into you every now and then. I think I think you were living in, well, you were from Clear Lake, and I I remember we we would hang out, and uh, you were a, a big uh, Kurosawa fan. So uh, and you would yeah you would have all all the movies and uh, well yeah by that time I think I developed at least a, a nugget of uh, taste and style. But really, the time that we knew each other was when I was sort of the. Uh, the bratty little brother of the scene that just had nothing better to do but hang out at every single Fillmore and threefold show and, you know, went to church about, what, nine times a week. There'd always be some event. So I, yeah, I think I had a, a pretty big presence in the um, Christian rock scene. Yeah. So much- good. So, I mean, so, so you're, you're an atheist now. So you, you identify as an atheist. You don't, you don't have a belief in, in, in a God. Um, I, I want to start, basically I just want to chat with you today and like, and how you, how you, how you ended up where you're at, because I mean, we're all on, I think we're all on a faith journey and especially, um, especially when you're young and in high school and everything and in college, that's kind of when you're searching the most. Some of us, some of us, our journeys delayed a little bit. I think mine was delayed a little bit. Um, cause I'm questioning a lot more now than I ever have, but, um, let's start off with your, like, what, explain a little bit about the church you're involved in and what, what they believed in, and you know, how, how you were raised and as far as your belief system. Sure. Sure. Well, I think, um, the church I was raised in is pretty integral to, uh, excuse me, how, um, how I grew up with my parents, you know, they were part of that generation, uh, that, 
you know, was just the extension of the the hippie um, West Coast movement that all sort of turned into the Jesus Freak movement, um, you know, with all the communes in Northern California and Mm -hmm. eventually made it to the Midwest. And, you know, Agape Christian Family Church uh, is what eventually became, but they you know, like a lot of churches, they start out in someone's basement and then they rent out a movie theater and then they get their own space. And now they're like, I don't know, probably a six figure empire. Um, but it was fairly Pentecostal, you know, the things that really bug people out about, um, evangelicals and Pentecostal service. It was pretty present from really from day one for me, uh, you know, the shaking and shaking on the ground and speaking in tongues, being slain in the spirit, really just a kind of primal, um, I don't know, like a, almost like a jungle ritual. Yeah, um, let's let's talk a little bit about that because maybe some of our listeners aren't too familiar. I mean, with, with kind of the, a lot of things going on in sure. the charismatic church. I mean, I, I have a mixed background with it. Uh, uh, we were, we went to like an evangelical free church and it was very laid back. And I, initially I was raised uh, in a Lutheran church. But uh, my parents go all the way back to kind of a, the Northern California Jesus movement. Um, so they were, and I think they were invo- originally involved with kind of a charismatic church. So they were kind of scared of charismatic churches. <laughs> and I sure. remember whenever I'd visit your church, they'd be a little bit kind of wary by the church. So let's uh, we, let's go through the, the kind of the main things you would you would run into at one of these churches. I know uh, that there's a speaking in tongues. Right. And most people have seen these things. They've probably seen like videos or, you know, maybe even been to the services. But yeah, speaking in tongues, which is known as like glossolalia in linguistic uh, circles, but really it's just a kind of gibberish. It's Mm -hmm. not an actual language. Uh, I I guess Pentecostals would disagree with me and say that it is an actual language, but um, it's something that goes on in other religions outside of Christianity. Uh, You know, they're what... uh, Hindu has uh, uh, glossolalia in it and um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Zoroastrianism. Um, but yeah, and then the falling on the ground, you know, and you have the two ushers to catch you and, you know, put a, a fabric over the ladies' dresses so no one can see up their skirts. <laughs> yeah, you got to make sure you always have that blanket handy. <laughs> right, right. And these are things that just seem incredibly eccentric. I guess the way a lot of us would view the Mormon rituals is incredibly eccentric. Right. But for me, it really, I just accepted it at face value, as you do when you're that age. It didn't seem strange to me in the least. Mm-hmm. Slightly frightening, um, but not, I mean, there are plenty of pr- frightening things when you're a child. Right. Uh, the world's pretty damn scary then. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, and... Growing up, I um, was heavily involved in uh, multiple churches, uh, not just Agape. There was uh, Open Bible Church and Assembly of God Church. And I would go to retreats with all three of these churches year-round. Uh, there would be two to three camps every summer, uh, what, four to six conventions each school year. Mm-hmm. It was something that I not only was a part of, but embraced uh, vehemently, I was like, I don't incredibly intense about it. And I remember being very judgmental to anyone who didn't have the same standards that I did. Uh, I would, I was incredibly idealistic, um, very proud, uh, but then also into the fashion of it, uh, the clothes, the music, Mm -hmm. uh, the industry, um, the girls, uh, yeah. it was all much more exciting than the normal life of school and sports and 
I don't know. Right, right. Yeah, well, especially in, in Northern Iowa, it's, it, it kind of, because I was involved with like, the Christian music, uh, you know, because that, that was basically only, the only thing I was really allowed to listen to for mm-hmm. a while. So, so I definitely have a relationship with that. But it's kind of like a subculture, especially when you're in Northern Iowa. And if you're, if you're in churches and everything, you, yeah, you have friends that they're in bands and they go to concerts and stuff. But this was kind of like, you know, your, your excuse to go to a concert, your excuse to meet girls. And, you, you know, that was a, right. and, and the whole fashion scene. And there was a lot, I mean, through Minneapolis and Northern Iowa, I mean, Minneapolis had a pretty kicking, kicking, <laughs> uh, uh, music scene. There's a lot of Christian bands that would come down to Northern Iowa and play. And, uh, right. and that brought all kinds of, um, fashion and right. uh urbanism that was just so exciting for me growing up in uh, such a rural area and you know no one dressed like that at the school i went to it was it was actually kind of ironic how into punk rock or that you know decaffeinated version of punk rock yeah. i was into with you know i knew everything about uh tooth and nail records and mxpx years before i'd heard of uh the clash or the sex pistols you know, but this right. is uh, funny enough what draw me and a lot of other people into the church and into that scene. It was your gateway drug. It was that absolutely. Evil, it works music. <laughs> very well. Um, the it's you can so as a sociologist you can so easily trace uh, fashion and style throughout uh, the last half of the 20th century in America by looking at the, uh, the, the Jesus movement and, and Christian rock, because they so well uh, mirror what is going on in mainstream society. Like anything that is popular, they will condense and package in a very articulate way and present it with this Jesus stamp on it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, 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 so you're raised, uh, you're, you're raised in this and um, you, you very much identify with it. You're, you're extremely passionate about your beliefs. Yeah. Um, so, what happened once you got out of high school and went in, in, into college? What was your experience? You know, once you kind of got, because I'm assuming you kind of moved away and went and everything. What, what was your experience once you kind of got out of that that bubble? Yeah. Well, I think my experience was very similar to a lot of people's. I mean, I know a lot of my friends went through uh, that journey as well. There's a, a famous quote by uh, James Robinson, the um, the televangelist. I uh, might have the number wrong, but he said something to the effect of uh, 70 or 80 percent. Uh, we lose uh, 70 or 80 percent of all young believers when they go off to college. Uh, or he said when they go up to secular colleges, you know, they remain believers. They go to Liberty University or Oral Roberts University. But that's because, you know, uh, those environments are so, um, so good at keeping out uh, thought provoking uh, materials, you know, books, uh, music, um, even certain types of conversation mm-hmm. uh, are easily crushed. But uh, at the same time that you're taught this, uh, this uh, ego, this pride of you can prove the Bible, you can scientifically prove it. You know, there's people like Kent Hovind, who's a very famous uh, creationist, or that uh, Australian guy with the Lincoln beard. Um, <laughs> the... Uh, <laughs> They, they, you know, I went to a Christian school and they show you these videos where you're like, yes, Noah's Ark, it makes sense. It's uh, meteorologically possible. So you go out into the world saying, I'm ready for anything. Anything you uh, have to give to me, uh, my faith is strong. My knowledge of the Bible is strong. So lay it on me. And I would go into, you know, books or conversations with that attitude and would find that. I couldn't keep up. My my faith was so easily crushed. I mean, 
And I remember having to put books down like um, the Marquis de Sade's uh, Juliet. Mm-hmm. There was um, a lot of a long passage in the beginning that uh, really cripples the idea of um, uh, faith in God and in the church. And you know, uh, I I traveled a lot, and and at this time I had like given up the uh, the lifestyle of. Um, the Pentecostal Christian. I, I was smoking cigarettes. I was drinking. I was having sex. Uh, I was cursing. You know, I was mm-hmm. listening to secular music. But still, you know, like a lot of people do uh, while living that lifestyle, still believed in God. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. You still have that deeply embedded, yeah, faith in and there. More than believed in God, I feared Him. Um, you know, from mm-hmm. a very young age, uh, me like a lot of uh, my contemporaries were fed the the Book of Revelations and the the idea of the mark of the beast and eternal torment and uh, unforgivable sins like blaspheming the Holy Spirit uh, in the Book of Mark. These are things that stay with you when they're introduced at such a young age. So even when I was, um, let's say, twenty two, twenty three, I think I was living in a hostel in San Francisco. And I'd gotten into uh, Tom Robbins' book, Even Cowgirls Get the Blues. And in this book, uh, Tom Robbins is very flippant about uh, how silly Christianity is. And, you know, casually lays out a handful of facts about uh, the Gospels and, you know, how things that a lot of atheists talk about, you know, how Jesus is composite of uh, all these Mediterranean gods and heroes. And what were some of the what what were some of the stories that kind of. You know, spoke to you for you know as far as he said. What are as far as that kind of crippling my at, faith? Yeah, the ones uh, that jumped out at you the most. Is there a couple? Um, of you know, I think it was a lot of the history stuff, and it wasn't like these were the first time I'd had these experiences. I I recall learning about say Greek mythology, uh, maybe fourth or fifth grade, and seeing Prometheus and my teacher. This was at a secular public school, but my teacher saying like, and this is very similar to the Christian myth of Jesus. You know, and it's the <laughs> same imagery. And I'm like. Oh wow! So ours is bullshit too, you know. And it's just sort of that quick thought. But then, as soon as that gets out, you stomp it right back down. You're like, no, 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 no! Don't even go there. And so, it, I continued that into my early twenties, and it was a frightening, anxious process to even say out loud, "I don't think there's a god. I don't think this Bible is true." Did you have a hard time finding people to talk to? Did you feel like you were kind of um, a little isolated or? I, I felt isolated in that uh, people couldn't relate to my background. You know, this was San Francisco, oh, okay. uh, people <laughs> who had grown up with humanism. Uh, and my girlfriend now, she was never raised with any kind of religion. And for her, it just seems so completely, um, I don't know, there's a disconnect with her. She just can't really relate. And, and understandably, I don't fault her for that. But um yeah, and it meant a lot to me when I came back to Iowa and found that many of my best friends, who we'd all gone on mission trips with, we'd all cried together at the front of the altar, we'd spoken tongues together, prayed together, Bible studies, all of them were basically in the same place that I was. And not voluntarily either. We didn't pursue losing our faith. It just, it's like a house that fell apart. Mm-hmm. It's nothing we wanted. Yeah, well, like- yeah, well, in, in my in my experience, I mean, a lot of I'm not sure, I'm not exactly sure what your your church preached, but at the church I go to now, they definitely say that you know the Bible is a hundred percent, you know, the Word of God. You prove one thing in sure. that wrong. They, I mean, they're preaching this. You prove one thing wrong, 
uh, it all falls apart. You know, what's the point? What's the point? And it, I, I remember uh, in church one day, my pastor was saying that. And I'm like, what are you doing? You are setting people up. <laughs> if they right. Because I'm starting to learn all this his, historical stuff about how the New Testament was put together, how it was written. Um, there, I mean, there's just, there's archaeological facts that you can't run from, you know, and then that, you know, the Bible probably isn't, you know, 100% written by the, you know, people that you think it is. So mm-hmm. like how is it what is he doing putting this in people's heads because it's it's just yeah. you 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 Same. put the you put the bible into a house of cards right you 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 remove mm-hmm. one of the foundations the whole thing collapses collapses and I think I Well and you can you can deny um that information you, I I think some people are good at it you know I if I'd known how to do it I might have even tried at that time yeah. to preserve my faith yeah. but you know there's a story of Billy Graham when he lost his uh his uh, sermon writing partner, uh, who became an atheist, uh, he was very close. And, you know, after World War II and all this information about the Holocaust came out, Billy Graham's partner was just, his faith crumbled. And there's a famous monument, I forget where it is, maybe in Utah, where uh, Billy Graham was sitting at a rock, like kneeling at a rock and said, like, God, I'm going to trust that you um, can explain these things that I don't really understand intellectually. And I'm going to surrender my intellect uh, in the name of preaching the gospel. And uh, it's weird. They made like a monument to this. I mean, like <laughs> they're, they're proud of this moment. You were, this seems like the most damning uh, story for Billy Graham's ministry, but I think people can do that. They can ignore those facts yeah. if they really want to. Yeah. So, so you're you're going through all these these questions at at this point. Are you just kind of up in the air uh, when you were, you know, when you finally when you went back to Iowa and saw that a bunch of your friends had been going through the same exact thing? Was that confirmation? Uh, um, it or? was. I don't want to make it sound like it was overnight because right. this was probably about three years of slow developments. Right. Um, you know, there was a long time where I would, like a lot of Christians, never take the Lord, uh, Lord's name in vain. You know, and uh, eventually I started doing it just sort of as, um, I don't know, some kind of exercise uh, <laughs> or exorcise. Uh, and now, uh, or I went through a period of years of just saying, Jesus Christ, you know, like all the time, like or Jesus, you know, as a, as a, you know, taking it in vain is just sort of like saying, wow. Yeah. And I, I think I got a, a weird pleasure out of it. Um uh, there's a bit of a masochistic pleasure. <laughs> yeah. there, there is. Uh, I guess I just, I'm still not over the novelty of it. Yeah. Um, but I think like a lot of people who, uh, certainly a lot of my friends who lost their faith, they go really strong in the other direction. And I know I did and I'm possibly still there. You know, there's, as you probably know, as anyone listening to this podcast is aware there's been uh, a new atheism movement in the last decade or so. You know, Richard Dawkins, Christopher Hitchens, Sam Harris, and then celebrities like Bill Maher, Ricky Gervais. Um, and then the, the loads of documentaries that have been made that are available on Netflix that people just go crazy over on Netflix. You know, like The God Who Wasn't There and mm-hmm. Banned from the Bible. Um, and these things for a former believer uh, invoke a kind of, rage, you know, that, that you don't even see unless, uh, outside of politics. Um, and so we would gobble up, you know, Dawkins, uh, the God delusion, and, uh, Christopher Hitchens, the end of faith and quote them to people. And, you know, like, uh, we've talked about with 
Bart Ehrman, mm-hmm. you know, all these facts about how the New Testament was assembled and, you know, all these similarities to other religions. And you become almost like an evangelist of that gospel. Yeah, I was going to say, do you feel like you also were proselytizing atheism? Absolutely. Which I think is unfortunate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it. Uh, you lose credibility, I think, because... And, you know, if you study sociology, you see this all over the place. You know, you see it in politics, uh, you see it in business, people reflecting the behavior that they are saying they abhor uh, or reflecting the behaviors of their their enemy, you know, the, their adversary. Um, yep. So, but then it is important to go through that process and, and read a lot. And I feel like I'm at a much calmer phase now where I can, you know, I... I, I like, um, I guess we never really talked about this, but I still have an intense obsession with evangelicals and reading everything I can get my hands on. I watch TBN and Fox News constantly. Um, I wrote a, a historical fiction novel that traces the movement of um, uh, the Jesus movement into Christian rock, uh, you know, from like 67 to 2004. This is something that I'm still heavily invested in and heavily interested in while I don't know, there's probably still some anger in me. Uh, I probably am not like completely at peace with uh, my childhood and how I was raised. Um, But yeah, there's uh, definitely still some of that militancy in me. Yeah. Well, Hey, let's, uh, let's take a a quick break here uh, and we'll come back and I want to talk about, you know, where you're at now, uh, where you at? Where you at now? We'll, we'll talk a little bit more about that uh, when sure. we come back. But uh, but right now, I want to play a little bit of Bad Religion. Uh, the song is called "American Jesus," one of my favorite Bad Religion songs. We'll be right back talking to Josiah Hesse right after this. Build the presidency. 
Unreal. Expressions on the faces of the stunning millions of power break them down. The fuel that drives the clan is the motive and the conscience of the murder. He's a preacher on TV, the false sincerity, the former head of driven by the big computers and nuclear bombs. The kids with no bombs and a bit more that he's inside me. Yeah, we've got the American Jesus. See him on the interstate. We've got the American Jesus. Exercising his authority We've got the American Jesus Bolstering national faith We've got the American Jesus Overwhelming millions every day Yeah was Bad Religion with American Jesus. Um, you're listening to the, athe- uh, the Atheist Philosopher. So look at that. Look at that. You're- <laughs> I'm infiltrating your podcast already. <laughs> I know, huh? With my militancy. <laughs> As the armchair philosopher, uh, I'm Sean DeRegger, your host, and we're chatting with Josiah Hesse, uh, who started out as a charismatic Christian and is now a, uh, a, a professing atheist. Not a proselytizing atheist, but a but atheist. That's his that's his, that's his belief. Um, yeah, trying not to proselytize. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure I have my moments. It's not working, man. You almost drug me down to the dark side right there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, let's talk about uh, a, a little bit more here. Uh, your, your journey. Um, so, so at this point in our discussion, you're 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 basically freebasing Hitchens and, and Richard Dawkins and Sam Harris. Oh, yeah. Um, I mean, I, I, I can, I, I went through this too. When I, when I first, uh, and the funny thing is when I was listening to Jay Baker, who, uh, he has a church called uh, revolution NYC. Um, he started out, I think in Texas. Um, and he's very, uh, it was one of my favorite pastors cause he's like one of those alternative pastors, you know, he's, right, right. he's okay with gay marriage. He's, he very, he's very much in, um, kind of trying to change the conversation in the Christian, in the Christian realm when it comes to gay and, and you know, the LGBT community and, and their involvement in churches and, and marriage and stuff like that. And he had mentioned about Bart Ehrman, about I think he was talking about, uh, I think it was Timothy, either that or Timothy or Thessalonians, any one of those, you know, he was saying that wasn't written by Paul. And I remember uh, almost like having to pull over <laughs> so I listened to these podcasts on the way home to his sermons. And I was like, wait a minute, you know, and it was my first, and I don't know why it took me so long to really hear that, but it's my first uh, kind of uh, hint that maybe the Bible isn't, isn't, and I kind of, I kind of got, uh, whenever my, my, my parents had bought me a study Bible. And in that study Bible, it says, we think you know, Mark was written by. Right, so right. I think uh, most likely with some some scholars say it's not, and I remember kind of thinking about that, and oh, that's kind of interesting, but but kind of skipping past it. And so then, I, and here I was hearing it from uh, from a pastor that I respected, and you know, granted, a lot there's a lot of people that'll tell me, "Well, Jay Baker is just bad theology. He's not a real pastor," you know, and 
Uh, he's deceived. Well, but. sure, but look at uh, who he's quoting. I mean, he's quoting academics. He, uh, yeah, if he's look, going to reference Bart Ehrman, that's yeah. uh, a very credible source. Yeah, and, and and Bart Ehrman's story is very interesting. And uh, and I'm going to say to our listeners, uh, Google Bart Ehrman if you want to know more of his stories. His story is pretty incredible because he he started studying the Bible to grow closer to God. Is basically his story, and he started learning uh, Greek and and studying about the culture, and and he started learning that. Even through, even from his professors at his the colleges he was at, that you know the Bible, you know what pastors preach, what they say isn't necessarily the truth held by most biblical scholars and archaeologists. So, right, and that ties in with what I was saying yeah. about how the Bible itself, uh, you know, is what can bring people down. And you go into it with this idea of like I'm only going to strengthen my faith by investigating the Bible and learning more about. Uh, the behind the scenes of how it was made. And then, you know, through that process, you just, you, you come across information that you can't ignore and you either have to shut down your rationality or accept some, uh, unpleasant truths. Yeah. It's, it's a downward spiral. And I, I was freebasing like, uh, uh, lectures and podcasts and everything. And I, and I I have a few books. I still, it's hard for me to, to find time to read. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I have some books on, on both. I, I'm kind of, I'm at my point, I'm studying both ends of the spectrum. Uh, I was listening to a lot of, uh, a lot of debates between Christopher Hitchens. There's a debate between Christopher Hitchens and his brother, whose brother, I forget his brother's name, but his brother's a, a, a Christian, a Christian mm-hmm. apologist and uh, listening to those type of debates. And, uh, so, so I, I definitely can relate to all of a sudden just flooding your brain with all this knowledge. So, uh, you know what I can't relate to, and maybe you could help explain this to me, uh, with someone like Jay Baker, who could uh, maintain his faith and then still say at the same time, like, uh, historically, we may be wrong about these Gospels. They might not have been written by the Apostle Paul, Uh, you know, and then that leading to just um, a discrediting of the Bible and then wondering why is it that I'm in this religion? You know, if this one is potentially just as fallible as all the others, I could potentially have been born into any religion. You know, I picked this the way most people pick a football team. Yeah. yeah. They don't pick a football team. It picks them. It's where you were born. And it's just, uh, I don't know. There's a a disconnect there that I can't understand. Yeah. Well, he, he he explains, I mean, he, he admits that it's probably, you know, maybe it's, you know, maybe it's because he was raising it. Maybe he, he, I mean, I just actually just listened to a podcast the other day where he's talking about this. He's like, why do I still believe this? And I love how open and honest he is in his quote unquote sermons. He's actually starting to talk, call them talks now. He's not really calling them sermons anymore. Um, and he he says it's something he struggles with, but he says he can't. The he says the gospel of grace is kind of what keeps him going. That there's something true there, and that there's a, there is good stuff out of there, stuff that we can learn. And um, well, that's something I would agree with. Yeah. I think the Bible is a, a great book. I think there's a lot of wisdom in there. I mean, there's a lot of horrible things in there. <laughs> I don't know where the ratio pans out uh, right, yeah. to make it worthwhile. But, you know, there are great things in the Bhagavad Gita. There are great things in the Quran. Mm-hmm. You know, there's yeah. no reason to pick one other than it picked you. Yeah, it's, it's one of those things where I'd love to have, like, an honest conversation with Jay Baker, you know? Right. Uh, <laughs> it's how much, you know, he, he has a church going and he has, he's hel- he is helping a lot of people. And his, uh, his church is kind of like the last stop for people about to abandon their faith. So 
uh, I think he feels a lot of responsibility there. But uh, yeah, man, it's one of those things I, I think about that every day. I would love to have a cup of coffee with Jay Baker and have like a com- you know, total open and honest conversation with that guy because um, he 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 has helped me get through a whole lot of, I guess, bitterness, I think. Mm-hmm. When I started learning stuff, and uh, with my story, there's a lot of bitterness in my in my story, and um, with the, with the church and organized religion, and uh, I, you know, I did almost completely walk away from it. But I think people like him showing us that there is there are positives, and you know, uh, you know, it's, it's kind of with me. We'll see where it goes, but I I kind of identify I think with with Jay Baker as far as you know, there is a lot of things, and it's almost kind of like throwing. Uh, throwing the other side's weapon back at them because a lot of people, a lot of Christians, a lot of fundamentalist Christians use the Bible for a lot of hate and a lot of trying to spread a lot of evil, you know, uh, right, right. their opinion. So I think he kind of, he's kind of at the point where he's trying to throw stuff back at them saying, look, you know, you guys have, you guys have it all wrong. You know, uh, the, well, yeah. And I went through a period of admiring Jay Baker and watching his, uh, independent film channel series, the, uh, one punk under God. Mm hmm. And for anyone who doesn't know, Jay Baker is the son of uh, um, Tammy Faye Baker, Jim and Tammy Faye, who are, you know, icons of televangelism. Um, But that scene is uh, really interesting in the way it parallels the Jesus movement of the 70s, you know, in that it's very alternative. It's very against the mainstream and very open to question things. And if it survived even long enough, I imagine it will be co-opted in the same way that, you know, the Jesus movement was in the eighties by uh, the Reagan administration and Jerry Falwell. But I, I went through a a period of really admiring Jay Baker and that movement, uh, that kind of crust punk uh, Jesus movement and was really latching on to people like him and uh, intellectuals like CS Lewis and to a lesser extent, maybe, uh, uh, Bono or Moby, you know, mm. people who were artists that I admired, but uh, professed Christians, and I would admire their writings. But in the end, while I still hold all of those things true, that, you know, these are great intellectual thinkers, and I, I still admire them very much, uh, there wasn't any reason to directly link them to Jesus Christ or the Holy Bible. Right, yeah. Yeah, so I mean that's a fair enough argument, you know. <laughs> it's, it's a tough thing, you know. Um, it is a tough thing. It's a, a frightening thing if yeah. you let go of your faith. Yeah. So, so when did you? Um, so you're you're is it when at the time uh, were you living in San Francisco when you're starting starting to read all those books and everything, or have you moved to Denver? Where where were you at? Well, I, I came to Denver maybe in uh, late 2004. That was um, just sort of incidental. I met a girl in a bar, and she was on her way and offered to pay for everything. And, you know, I was uh, kind of just uh, not doing anything. I was writing a lot at that time, and I was still questioning my faith. But um, uh, I came to Denver for a few years. I, I just spent a year in San Francisco. That was just sort of... Um, a one-off thing. Uh, in, in case you can't tell, I'm not the most ambitious person. Uh, <laughs> you know, I've been hopping from job to job until uh, maybe a year ago when I became a full-time journalist. Um, I don't. I don't, but think, anyway, I don't. I don't think you uh, become. I don't think you become ambitious till you have to. <laughs> right. Right. Uh, and that's the thing. I have no kids or wife, so I haven't had to. Um, but yeah, San Francisco was definitely the place to lose your faith. You know, it sounds like one of those hysterical right-wing uh, Pentecostal things to say, but I find that a lot of those crazy things that they say are actually true. 
Um, you know, I think if you do go to San Francisco, you know, you probably will explore new avenues of sexuality or views of sexuality. Uh, I think rock and roll music does make people want to have sex. You know, I think it's <laughs> these things that people call, you know, hysterical uh, from the right wing. Sometimes they're they're just true. And not to say that uh, I was brainwashed or co-opted into any kind of thinking. It's just, you know, you travel around, you pick things up. Um, but yeah, it was books like um, Tom Robbins, even Cowgirls Get the Blues. And, uh, you know, eventually those Christopher Hitchens and Richard Dawkins books that mm-hmm. really did it. So now, uh, so now you're, you're, uh, you're, you're in Denver. Had, had you, cause I know the, the whole big thing for if somebody loses their faith is, uh, oh shit, how do I tell my family? You know, <laughs> I know a lot of people that I've heard on podcast interviews, that was kind of the, the big deal breaker. Did you, how, how honest was your relationship with them? You know, at the time, um, I think my relationship has been fairly honest. There have been things that I haven't said without being provoked. Um, you know, I have definitely never wanted to, uh, try and convince my family to believe Mm -hmm. uh, the way I believe, uh, that, you know, Jesus probably never existed. Uh, there probably isn't an afterlife, you know, these things that, um, I believe I just, I don't want to instill really in anybody, but I will be honest with them. If they ask me questions and it, it has happened, I'll be honest, but there was one time when, um, I, my mom and I have a very honest, uh, intellectual relationship. I don't know if we have the most honest emotional relationship, but, uh, intellectually, I feel like I can share anything with her without her getting hysterical. And so in, I don't know, maybe 2009, excuse me, I wrote her a very long letter and, uh, you know, it's, it's a similar story to when, uh, Gay, young gay people will come out to their parents a lot of times they'll write him a letter you know come home for a visit but i wrote her a long letter explaining not only how i felt about uh christianity and religion but also how i felt about uh having children uh having a professional career how i felt about drugs uh and drug use uh admitted that uh you know i partaken in uh, uh most uh, illicit substances and just all the things that you know, I wanted to get out there because uh, I didn't know if she still had an image in her head of me as that 17-year-old, intensely idealist uh, Pentecostal, ready to go be a youth pastor and, uh, you know, be in a Christian rock band and spread the word and, you know, not have sex till I'm married and, you know, never touch drugs or alcohol. Um, and we never really spoke about that letter. Um, we've had conversations about my life in Denver. You know, I not only write for a village voice paper out here, but also for a gay newspaper. Um, and so these are the things that I, you know, I don't really want to question where my mom's at, uh, in her faith. Mm-hmm. That's her personal, uh, place, but I know she isn't in a hysterical place. She is not going to, uh, freak out and think I'm going to burn in hell. Right. Yeah. That's good. That's good. That's a, uh, it's very helpful. <laughs> it yeah, is because I, I, a lot of the time, uh, that's what I, I feared about telling my parents was that they would go through the emotional anguish of believing that their son was going to be eternally tormented. And that's nothing. That's not an image I wanted to, uh, put in their head or wasn't eager to put in their head. Yeah. 
you know, if they go through that, that's really uh, their thing, but I'm not going to shove that on their plate. I feel, yeah, I feel that I feel the same way with like all these things that I'm reading and the questions I have right now. I do have, I have friends. I mean, one of my, one of my good friends out here, he's the, the worship leader at our church. And the, like, the last thing I want to do is instill any questions on him because he's at a good place. He enjoys what he's doing. And, you know, right. I, you know that's, I'm not out there trying to, I'm not looking at everyone's Facebook trying to challenge everybody, you know. Right, yeah. right. Which a lot of atheists are. Yeah, I, I yeah. mean, a lot of Christians are oh, too. A lot of Christians are, and I find that happens to me every day whenever I post something pro-gay. <laughs> I feel right, like right. Jump on this now. But, oh, I mean, Facebook. I would argue is even more popular among right-wing evangelical Christians than any you know long, young liberal druggy you know yeah. homosexuals. Like I, I think the. Uh, the right has definitely absorbed Facebook. That's passive aggressive. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. Passive aggressive confrontation, you know? <laughs> right, right. <laughs> I wrote a, a piece recently where I visited um, a passion play that came through town, uh, yeah, one yeah. that came from Colorado Springs. Yeah. It was a big production, you know, a big um, sort of Cirque du Soleil, uh, Passion of the Christ type production. And I wrote a little firsthand review of it uh, for uh, the paper out here, you know, explaining that I used to be in these and it was an intense part of my childhood and now I don't have these feelings. And there was this commentary about how I miss it. But anyway, my my point is uh, I posted it on a friend's Facebook page from Iowa, one of those friends who'd gone through the same process as me and and lost his faith. I thought he might um, be interested in it, get a kick out of it. It was kind of funny. Yeah. Uh, But his family, I hadn't even considered, were all over Facebook and they just blew up not only our Facebook pages, but then also the comment section of my paper's website. Wow. Uh, his dad posted uh, an entire manifesto that was actually longer than my article itself. That seems to happen quite a bit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They have these things ready. That's what's really interesting is like he didn't write that, you know, just in the moment. Like he had it saved in the desktop, like <laughs> just ready to go, um, which you know, speaks to how uh, much time these people spend thinking about uh, Jesus and thinking about the Bible and thinking about uh, the afterlife. It, you know, it, it consumes an incredible amount of their thought process and uh, their energy mm-hmm. and in their time. This is like their lives. It's not just a Sunday for an hour, you know, once a week. This is um, breathing it and sleeping it and, you know, your whole day is just Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Yeah. So this is a a good uh, time to bring this up. Uh, So do you feel like when you, you said you're kind of drawn towards things that are either written towards evangelicals or do you find yourself kind of looking out outside in quite a bit? When it comes to this stuff, like, uh, do you mean from their perspective? From their, well, from their perspective, you you feel like I mean you can identify right with with what absolutely. You feel like you know, you can kind of, uh, you as like we were can... saying the other day, the word atheist. Um, when you're an intense believer, it 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 infects you. It's it's like a curse word. Right. It's um you know I'm not going to use any words on your podcast, but it's it's similar to you know the way most people say if you you know use the N word or you know or something right. really yeah. intense. Yeah. Uh, and I guess that traces back to its ties with communism in the 50s and that whole propaganda machine. But it's something that uh, I imagine when I tell uh, someone who knew me as a child, I tell them for the first time, oh, now I'm an atheist, that that must um, puncture something in them, you know, just like a little stab 
yeah. that makes a like a shiver because um, I mean that's what I experienced, and then also that feeling of this person is going to burn in hell for eternity. Yeah. <laughs> Which is, uh, it, it stutters, to say the least, a conversation, you know, that image is in their head. Yeah. So, so where you're at now, um, I mean, you're, 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 at, you're at peace with, uh, you're, you're at peace, you, I mean, no one's journey ever ends, right? You're constantly, right, constantly right. learning, we're constantly the, learning new stuff. I want to make clear that I'm not uh, an atheist in the sense of uh, a certainty that God doesn't exist. I mean, that's not say I'm agnostic, because I'm definitely not, <laughs> we can get into that. But the thing is, is like Sam Harris said, everyone is an atheist of something. You know, uh, if you believe in Allah, then you're the atheist of the Jesus uh, God. If you know believe in Krishna, then you're the atheist of, you know, uh, Zeus. So it's really not that I'm embracing anything by using the title atheist. It's 100% an absence of something. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you you haven't found the proof of of a god. You haven't found the full proof, right? Of, you know that that Jesus existed and, and everything. Which, you know, like in my in my journey, uh, I, I've it's it's a hard thing to prove, and that's where a lot of people just chalk it up to faith, you know. Right, and um, uh, and that's great, and, that, and that's pretty much where they faith in Jesus. Yeah, yeah. Well, cool, man. I you know I really appreciate you taking the time of your day to to kind of sit in the and you know. Let let total strangers know your your life history. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, anytime. I mean, it, I I wonder if people are interested. Uh, I, th- but I think they are. I yeah, think, I, I, think, I mean, it's something we all a question we all deal with. Yeah, I mean, it, the human race we're we're all you know we're all kind of searching for you know validation, right? Mm-hmm. You know why we're here. So I think everyone, whether they like to think it or not, are, are on we're all on some sort of journey as far as faith goes because we're all kind of wondering what does this all mean, and uh, you know. So I hope this this podcast uh, meets people where they're at and people can learn and you know other people's points of view because, like you said, you know the word atheist uh, to a Christian is you know is right up there with baby killer, you know. Uh, right, it's, right. But the but the people that I've met, I mean, I have a lot of uh, you know a lot of acquaintances on Facebook and stuff like that, and there's you know and and you know. I, that are, you know, there, there's a lot of good people. You know, everyone that I've met that doesn't have a belief in God is is actually a very decent person, and they actually stand up for human rights more than a lot of people with faith. So you know, that's kind of what started draw, spiraling me into you know talking to the, talking to people and and learning more because uh, I think the I think that uh, the pursuit of human rights is an important thing, and I don't think uh, I really don't think religion has any place to to be putting anyone down. Right. But I also want to make clear that, you know, while you have that uh, very empathetic view of Mm -hmm. non-believers, myself as a non-believer, I'd like to think that I carry that toward believers as well. Like, I don't look at someone who believes in the rapture and and believes that the Bible is 100% true and say, like, oh, well, there's a moron who who can't, you know, tie his own shoes. Um, I, I think there are plenty of reasons to believe in the Bible. I mean, I personally don't. But I will happily respect and listen to anyone who does. Yeah, it was a lot of people. Uh, I was just looking at uh, a friend of mine from out here. Um, he posted a lot of things from his church on his on his Facebook, and and had some guy kind of mocking, like he was kind of impersonating an atheist. 
like as a very haughty, like, oh, you just don't know. You, you know, I have the, you know, they're, they're, they're right. portraying an atheist like, like, like that. There are, I mean, there are, but I mean, there's a lot of, but you look at the wide spectrum of, of atheism. There's also, there's also a wide spectrum of, of Christians, you know, there's a wide, uh, it's just, I, I think people need to realize we're all human. We're all people. And there's different levels, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, the one thing that does get under my skin is when um, I tell a believer that I'm an atheist and they they give me these accusations of me wanting to put myself above God, you know, or me thinking that man is so superior, so wonderful that we don't need God, you know, that I, I came, they think that I came to my conclusions through that route, mm-hmm. which is uh, completely backwards from my perspective. I don't think men or humans are are all that great. And it's not that I think I'm better than God. It's that I don't believe there is a God. I'm not angry at God. I don't, you know, I just don't believe he's there. You're not, you don't, you're not grinding that. You don't have an ax to grind. <laughs> no, no, not at all. I mean, I'm a little uh, flustered about, you know, the way I was raised. I, I feel like I have a lot of emotional problems right. based on uh, the fear that was instilled in me right. at a very young age. But no, I'm not on a crusade to strip anyone of their faith. Well, that's awesome, man. That's a, that's a great place to be at. Um, hey, uh, why don't you let people know who are listening where they can find your for find your writings? Uh, well, I write for uh, Denver Westward. Uh, it's westward.com. Um, the only, I guess I've done two pieces for them that'd be relevant to this story. Uh, as I said earlier, I went and saw the Passion Play, um, The Thorn. Uh, so I think... The, that title is um, An Atheist Visits the Thorn Passion Play. But then, you know, getting back to that um, Jay Baker-style uh, church, I, I did a, a feature on the Scum of the Earth Church out here in Denver that spawned the band Five Iron Frenzy, and they have a, a pretty large movement um, and really great people. Uh, we get a little heated about issues on sexuality, but um, great people. I had a great time. Uh, working with them. The novel Dancing in the Flesh is uh, not uh, published as of yet. Um, Still have a little more work to do on that, but uh, hopefully it will be someday. Cool, man. Keep me, keep me posted because I'll definitely uh, market the shit out of it. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks so much, man. And uh, I'm going to post the links to your stories in the show notes or just on the page that I post this show on the website on the AXPX.com. Uh, oh, in, in this link, I'll, I'll post links to your, your stories there so people can read it because uh, I really love the one about the thorn. That's an awesome story. So uh, my guest was uh, is Josiah Hesse. And uh, Josiah, man, thanks so much for talking to me. And I'm sure uh, you and I will be chatting again soon. And, uh, and any, you know, any more stories you write, I'll definitely be... Uh, be re-sharing them on, on Facebook. Um, you can find me on Twitter at the AXPX and then on Facebook, go to facebook.com slash the AXPX. And then of course the AXPX.com. Um, hope all of you have a great week and I hope, uh, hope the show was a little educational and, and entertaining. And uh, next week I have no idea who I'm talking to and, uh, but it should be good. <laughs> have a great week, everybody. 